You're listening to the free edition of Sweden in Focus from The Local. If you would like to listen to a full-length version of the podcast, as well as an additional midweek episode, please check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade to Membership Plus. Here's this week's free edition. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Sweden and Focus. I'm your host, Tom Henley. This week, we're going to talk about the cyber attack that took down a supermarket chain. We'll hear how the governmental crisis came to a somewhat undramatic end. And we're going to talk about COVID-19 vaccine passes, who gets them and who misses out. And finally, we'll ask the question, is it really that hard to make friends with Swedes? Sweden in Focus is sponsored by Akademikernes Arkassa, providers of income insurance for university graduates in Sweden. We have back with us today Catherine Edwards, James Savage and Emma Lefgren. Hello guys, how are you doing? Everyone good? Hi. Hi Tom. Good, thanks. Yeah, things have been much calmer the past couple of days and I'm taking August off in a very un-Swedish way. Yeah, it's a good time. I had my holidays the past couple of weeks. I walked out just as the government crisis was starting and now I'm back when it's sort of getting resolved. Do you feel like you've you've missed the party? I feel like I timed it very, very well. <laughs> Not sure Catherine agrees. <laughs> Joining us today for the first time on Sweden in Focus, we have Samantha Governor, who is this Director of Operations at the Local Europe. How are you, Samantha? I'm good, thank you. All right, guys, let's get to the episode. Uh, last Saturday, I think many of our listeners who put on the podcast and listen were probably on their way to uh, buy some breakfast. Or maybe if you're like me, you're going to buy a six pack of 3.5% beer for the England game against Ukraine, which we gloriously won. But if you made your way to your local co-op, you were probably in for a big surprise. Is that right, James? Yeah, you, uh, you, you might well have got your local co-op and found that it was closed. Because um, what happened last uh, Saturday was that Poop was the victim of a huge global ransomware attack. Hundreds of supermarkets in Sweden are forced to close after a cyber attack that's hit organisations all around the world. Most of Swedish grocery chain co-ops 800 stores were forced to close on Friday after the attack blocked access to its uh, checkouts. Now, Coop wasn't the direct target of this. The target was Kaseya, which is a, 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 an IT company based in, in Miami, which is a supplier to Coop. Kaseya was um, was targeted by this, this ransomware attack where the, where, where the attackers demanded $70 million in ransom for the attackers to uh, free up their systems. Now, Coop, co-op, is Sweden's second largest supermarket chain. Um, it was one of a thousand companies affected worldwide, but obviously it was a very significant effect and an effect that um, affected a, a very large number of consumers. 
uh, as we record this on Thursday, we've just got to the stage where nearly all companies, where, where nearly all uh, co-op stores are reopened. But for the last five days, most co-op stores have been closed. So um, this has had enormous effect on a large number of Swedish people, uh, shoppers, but also on a very, very large Swedish company. So who are these hackers? What do we know about them? It's believed that they're, that they, that they're a criminal group. They're believed to be based in Russia, um, from what I understand. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the details about how they're dealing with, it, with, with these criminals are, are, are shrouded in, in secrecy for obvious security reasons. But, you know, it's been, it's been, a, massive, it's been a massive issue and it's something that, that even you know, Joe Biden has commented on because it's um, not necessarily related to the Swedish coup, but related to the, to the larger issue of this American company that's been attacked. While on tour to promote a vaccination program, Biden was asked if the hack was linked to Russia. First of all, we're not sure who it is for certain, number one. And if it is uh, either with the knowledge of and or a consequence of Russia, then I told Putin we will respond. Obviously, from a Swedish perspective, it's been hugely disruptive. People have started asking questions about why companies are so vulnerable and, you know, what the backup option for these companies should be. The ransomware attack was a form of something that is known as a supply chain attack, right? Do, do you know how that, what that is and how that works? Yeah, so um, in this case, they attacked this provider of services to many, many other companies. So that way you had a, it was a big trickle down effect. It wasn't just the target of their attack that was affected. It was many, many other companies further down the line. So it had, you know, it had this magnifying, um, magnifying effect um, across a huge number of companies. So, you know, this was a serious issue that, that, that put pressure on this company from all sorts of from all sorts of directions. And, you know, the idea is to force them to pay this very large amount of money to the to this criminal gang. I wonder if something like this has ever happened before. I seem to remember something from 2007 with Estonia and Russia, right? Is it? Well, I mean, there have been there have been huge numbers of um, cyber attacks uh, before. I mean, these and, and huge numbers of ransomware attacks. They they kind of happen all the time. Um, the difference is this one is was a very big one. Yeah, in 2007, as you say, there was an attack against a number of um, state institutions in Estonia that that paralysed sections of Estonia society, and there the finger was pointed at state actors. Um, in Russia, and and that's you know that's one of the things that that, that concerns a, a lot of people. Um, you had the Swedish um, defense minister going out um, this week and saying, warning that the same method um, that was used against Coop um, by these, these criminal gangs could be used by a foreign state against um, against large sections of Swedish society. But if you look at Sweden, you see that it's a very um, it is a very digitized society. It's, it's rated as the second most digitized society in the EU in terms of its reliance. On online services, it's also that doesn't do that well in terms of um, cybersecurity. So there's a there's something called um, the National Security Index, which is compiled by the Estonian e-governance foundation, and they put Sweden at place 43 out of 160 for cybersecurity. So Sweden is the second most digitized society in the EU, but only 43rd best app of cybersecurity in the world and certainly you know nowhere near the top of the EU we're looking at a situation where the reliance on digital technology and and the level of cybersecurity practiced by swedish companies doesn't really match what can be done to help sweden when it comes to crimes like this cyber crimes well there are a few there are a few there are a few things that people are saying um, about this um, first of all is that swedish companies need to get better at cybersecurity this isn't anything unique to sweden but again 
given the high level of digitization, it's perhaps even more important in Sweden than everywhere else. And then another thing that people are asking is whether Sweden's particular reliance on digital payment methods makes Sweden particularly vulnerable. What's Sweden's backup option in the event that there is a major cyber attack that knocks out perhaps more than one supermarket chain at a time? You've got a cashless society, an increasingly cashless society, that some some would argue makes Sweden particularly vulnerable. So if to put this in context, only one fifth of Swedish retail purchases right now are conducted using cash. Uh, many people don't even carry cash. Um, this is something that the you know that the banks and the authorities have encouraged over many many years, and in many senses, it's a very, it makes it makes uh, payments in Sweden very smooth and convenient. But when you don't have that backup option, um, some argue that this makes Sweden particularly particularly vulnerable. Yeah, you know, when I first heard about this, it kind of made me scared because you say you say one out of five, but I, I can't remember the last time I held a coin or a banknote in my hand. You know, I just I always use my card. But it is important also to note that this attack uh, affected basically the tills, the the the, uh, the cash registers and stuff. So it, even if you had cash and, and and notes, coins, you still would have been in a bad place, right? Right. No, absolutely. And this is and this this is this is part of the issues. It's more complicated than just saying, well, you know, cash would have solved the issue. First of all, yes, you're right that you know the cash registers were 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 affected. They could you could if you can't open the cash register, you can't take cash, right? Um, also, uh, the, the you know computer systems affect far more than just the the, the receiving of payments. It also affects um, the, you know the order systems and 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 therefore the stocking of the stores. Um, and then you could look the other way. You know, one of the things that one of one of the payment methods, the only payment method that actually worked for Coop during this period was its app based scan and pay service you know you could actually say that that technology was the thing that perhaps at least allowed them to sell to make some sales during this period so so you know it is more complicated than saying you know cash is the answer but uh it, what it does do is show that everyone needs come first of all to pay more attention to cybersecurity but you're never going to be 100% secure from these kinds of uh, these kinds of attacks and some kind of backup is needed Okay, guys, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, and hopefully we can give you some kind of a conclusion to this governmental crisis we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. If you're new in Sweden, or you've yet to master all the intricacies of Swedish working life, you may not be familiar with the unemployment insurance system here. Unemployment insurance is compulsory in most of the EU and the UK, but in Sweden, it's partially voluntary. But what does that mean for you? Well, to be entitled to the full income insurance benefits available in Sweden, you'll need to join an R-CASA, like Akademikernas R-CASA. An R-CASA is an unemployment fund that pays income-related insurance benefits, and Akademikernas R-CASA is Sweden's biggest provider for university graduates. You're eligible to join if you're a university graduate and currently work or have previously worked in Sweden, the EU, EEA or Switzerland. Want to protect your income in the event that you lose or choose to quit your job at a cost of just 140 Swedish kroner per month? Join Akademikernas Arkasa. You could receive up to 26,400 kroner per month before tax. Emma, welcome back from your holiday. Behind the confusion and alarm of the recent ransomware attacks that we just talked to James about, the governmental crisis was still playing out. Can you can you just give us an update of what has happened this week? Because there has been quite uh, an important turn of events. 
Right, so this week, just as I returned from my holiday, uh, Stefan Levien, the Prime Minister, is able to return to his holiday. Because uh, he won the uh, parliamentary vote on him as Prime Minister on Wednesday. Uh, it was a pretty narrow win. All he needed was for the majority to not vote against him. And that's what happened, which means that he will again become Prime Minister. Uh, so that's basically what happened this week. The initial government crisis is over. Stefan Levien has again shown that he can have a you know, very bad hand and still play poker. Uh, but all they really have done is kind of postponed the crisis a bit over the summer. We know that another crucial moment is going to come in autumn when it's time to put forward the budget. I have to just give a shout out to you guys. You guys called this, by the way, uh, a few weeks back before you left on your, office, uh, your holiday. This is exactly how you said it was going to play out almost. We did. Yeah, I've been yeah. very nervous in the past <laughs> couple of weeks there. <laughs> I've been thinking about you a lot, Emma, when we've been doing these episodes, because it almost felt like, especially when this news came on Wednesday, it almost felt like you could have left on, on holiday, turned off your phone, come back, and it seemed like nothing had changed. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I mean, it, it got resolved pretty quickly, didn't it? It wasn't much of a crisis in the end. I, 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 actually, I actually spoke to an Italian relative. I, I told him that um, this was uh, the first time in Swedish history that a prime minister had been voted out in a no-confidence vote. And he was like, what? That's just like a Monday in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay, Stefan Levien is back as prime minister. But what does this mean for the future of Swedish politics? Is it is it all back to normal and, and forgive and forget? Is it all let's move on? Or does this show how fragile the Swedish politics is? And you mentioned, of course, the budget in, in autumn. I mean, was this all meaningless or, or has it really shown the, the, the deep divides in Swedish politics? I mean, the Swedish, Swedish politics is still quite fragile at the moment and as it has been for the past three years, really, or even longer than that, maybe. And as I said, the key moment is going to come in autumn when it's time for Levien to put forward his budget and see whether he's actually got the votes for that. Uh, and it's going to be pretty tricky. Uh, there's a lot of disagreement in Swedish parliament. The Centre Party has said that it doesn't want to negotiate a common budget, but it also doesn't want the government to negotiate with the Left Party, and the Left Party doesn't want the government to negotiate with the Centre Party, and so on and so on. So Levien is going to have to tread very carefully in terms of gathering support for his budget, so that each party whose support he needs feels like it's getting something, but also that nobody else is getting anything. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Uh, you said uh, he had to tread carefully. It, it it made when there was a point in the crisis where Stefan Levien was talking, and he kind of was, he almost sounded very angry with the left party for almost putting him in the position he was in. Uh, I think I I wonder how how this has damaged him, his image for a lot of the more left leaning uh, voters that he had, which I know accounts uh, uh, to a lot of the Social Democrats' uh, votes. You know, a lot of people who are left leaning but don't want to vote for the left party because they maybe haven't got enough votes to make an impact. You know, those left-leaning votes that normally go to social Democrats when he, when he was standing up there saying, you know, 
not word for word, but almost, you know, I'm in this position because the left party didn't believe me or whatever. Do you think, I guess I'm asking who were the winners and who were the losers out of this crisis? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Um, I think Noshi Dadgostar, who's the new leader of the left party, she has come out of this very well. She essentially won the, the issue that started it all, rent controls. And I know a lot of left voters who at the start of it all thought, like, why is she doing this? It's just creating chaos. But she's kind of managed to come across as quite calm and as someone who sort of stands up for what she believes in, kind of presenting herself as almost the real left or even even centre-left option, while the social democrats are edging kind of more and more towards towards the centre. And I really think that could appeal to a lot of old-school social democrat voters. If I can just add like what I thought was kind of an impressive move from the left is that they managed to keep it very focused on that one issue. They said that was a sticking point for them back when the original government deal was signed. Then when it happened, they went through on that promise and they were showed they were prepared to negotiate on some of the issues that they also care about. So they weren't just making demand after demand. They had said what they wanted and made sure to get that and managed. Yeah, and uh, exactly. And I think the other the, the other party that that comes out of this um that that ha- this is impacting significantly is the center party and that the, and and and, the, and for them perhaps this is a this is a more negative um outcome. You know, they've managed over the last uh last few years to to really um you know, they're there is they're a, um, a market oriented um centrist but market-oriented party and they've come out of this uh, over the last few years managed they've managed to get a lot of their policies through the um the levian uh, government through the january agreement that they had um lots of you know market friendly friendly policies um but but now that the left party is making its presence felt more and the social democrats are being forced to listen to the left party um, it's going to make it much harder for the for the, for the centre party to get its policies through government, which is going to leave them a bit high and dry, um, and 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 you know perhaps in the longer run is going to make them um, make 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 them question their cooperation with 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 the social democrats. But they painted they also painted themselves into a corner now that they won't cooperate with the Sweden Democrats um, uh, and and therefore not cooperate with the other centre right parties. So they are in a slightly more difficult position than they were. We'll be right back. With Sweden's system of unemployment insurance, it's easy even for Swedes to miss out on the benefits of joining an Arkasa. Arkasas are the employment fund that pay out income-related insurance benefits if you lose or quit your job. Membership of Akademikernas Arkasa, the top provider for university graduates, costs just 140 Swedish krona per month. So, 10 years worth of fees corresponds to roughly one monthly payment if you become unemployed. It's like a regular insurance policy for your car or your home, but designed to protect your income. But there is one key difference. As Akademikernas Arkasa is not for profit, it won't charge you a fortune. Employees, the self-employed and even students can join. For more information, visit the Akademikernas Arkasa website. Now, get your pen and paper ready because I'm going to spell this out for you and direct you to the English language homepage. It's www.akademikernasakasa.se forward slash en. And if you think that was tricky, just wait until you find out what Arkasa is short for. 
This July, listeners to the podcast can get a one-month free pass, which will give you unrestricted access to their local Sweden, meaning that you can read all members-only content when you are logged in. You can redeem this offer by visiting the local.se forward slash podcast offer. Valid through to the 31st of July. Sweden's COVID-19 vaccine pass launched on the 1st of July, but it excluded a certain group of people, right, Catherine? Can you can you tell us about that? Um, yes. So when the vaccine pass launched, this is part of the EU-wide effort to facilitate freedom of movement within the EU. Um, and we were actually quite surprised about this because we had been asking from the start what will apply to people without a person number. This is the... 10-digit social security number in Sweden. It's the key to, to everything from bank accounts to gym memberships and now also the COVID vaccine pass. Um, we had initially been told that there would be options from the 1st of July for some people who don't have this number. Um, but as of uh, as of now, when we're recording this, that's not the case. You need a personal number to be able to apply. Um, I think I think maybe we should just before we go too far, we should explain maybe for our international listeners what a personal number is and how important it is in Sweden because we've talked in the past episodes about Swedish identity, you know, Sweden houses, summer houses, and snaps and your fear of badges. But the a personal number is such an important thing to have here in Sweden. Can you just ex- uh, explain what that is? Um, yeah, it's pretty much the first thing you apply for when you move here. Um, if you're born in Sweden, you get one automatically. Um, if you move here, you have to apply and it's a series of 10 numbers that's given to you if you can prove that you're going to legally reside in Sweden for at least a year. So for a lot of residents, you might do that by proving a job contract or something else. But some people fall between the gaps if they can't prove that. And that might be because they move here under EU freedom of movement, for example, which allows you to do that without fixed plans for the year ahead. Um, it might be because of some small issue in your paperwork. Uh, and then you end up without this number. Um, and it really is the key to everything in society. It could be required if you're renting a house, trying to to buy a house or a flat, um, online shopping. It r- really so many things require it. And if you don't have the number, there are two options So some people who are here temporarily, this covers some categories like master's students or other people who can prove they're here on a short-term contract, something like that, who aren't eligible for the full Pashur number, they get what's called a coordination number, which is a stand-in. And then if you're not eligible even for that, you get a reserve number, which is another kind of stand-in that gives you even fewer opportunities. It's even less useful but with that, for example, you can still access healthcare if, if you need it. So do you do you think these uh, vaccine passes will ever be made available to people who don't have a personal number? Um, well, I really hope so. When we initially asked the eHealth agency, which is responsible for it, um, they had first told us that it would be available at least for people with a coordination number. Um, they said those people would have to apply manually using a form sent in the post to begin with instead of the simple and easy online option. Um, but at the moment, we've not been able to get any update on the time frame or 
even what the barriers are. So what we're doing at the moment is continuing to to push and to ask about it because one one problem is that these passes are supposed to facilitate travel and because most of the people lacking a Pashonama will be foreign residents, including some EU residents, they're often the people who really do need to travel. Maybe they haven't seen their family since 2019. Maybe they have urgent reasons to get back to their home country. You know, that if they don't have a Pashonama, they're not considered as a resident here in Sweden yeah. officially. So they yeah. they really need to travel and they're not able to access this, this pass that allows that. You guys at the local hear from your readers day in, day out. What have you been hearing from your readers um, who live here in Sweden who don't have a personal number? What has been their experiences when it comes to applying for the vaccine? Um, well, for applying for the vaccine itself, some people had problems with that without a personal number, which again, shouldn't have been the case. The vaccine was intended to be available to everybody who's here. It's a matter of public health. Um, but in practice, some doctor centers or sometimes the healthcare phone line didn't have access to the right information. So we heard from people who were being told no, being told they weren't eligible even when they were. Um, I think for the most part, those problems are starting to be resolved. We've heard from a lot of people who were initially told no, but after calling back a lot of times, just happening to speak to the right person um, or speaking to a different doctor's surgery, maybe it was a hassle, but we're hearing from more people who've were able to get the vaccine. And now we're just starting to hear from a few people who are frustrated because they eventually managed to get the vaccine. Now they want the vaccine passed to prove they've had it and they can't mm. they can't get it. Yeah, that must be very frustrating. Um, I'm actually still getting occasional emails from readers who are struggling to access the vaccine itself because they don't have a persona. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I mean, sometimes it's it's a matter of them not calling the right number or there's a sort of gap in communications that the person who's asking isn't super clear about what it is they want and the person on the other end doesn't make an effort to try to understand what it is they want. But, I mean, Swedish authorities kind of need to be prepared for this situation and need to be able to handle it when it arises. Do you do you guys see this as just the way it is? You know, maybe it's just complacency or, you know, you have to show us some kind of commitment for you guys to stay here? Or is there a feeling that this is somehow discriminating against those who don't have a personal number? I think it can... 
the impact can feel like discrimination because you're essentially excluded from something that you should have a right to. But I think that's usually not going to be the intent. It will just be that things haven't been thought through at the beginning, which is a shame, and especially with public health matters like the vaccines. Um, It's been frustrating to see that this hasn't been factored in from the beginning because it is a long-standing issue. It's surprising to me that when a new system is set up, it's not a question on the first form they're filling out. Something they discuss at the first meeting is, and how will we um, ensure access for people without a personal number? Because mm. that's a problem that always comes up. I think it's just too small a percentage of the population for them to for it to be something that they're thinking about. You know, they're thinking. They're thinking about the 99% of the population um, and not this 1% of the population. Um, and I think, in a sense, it's perhaps always going to be that way. Um, I just wonder if maybe there should have been a little bit more effort when there is a pandemic going on, that <laughs> that 99% has to become 100%. You know? Yeah, you'd think. I mean, you always say when you talk about user experience that you need to design for the extreme user. And I mean, I think that's true even for this. It's... I find it so frustrating because it seems like such a small thing that's so easy to fix. The authorities have talked a lot about um, foreign communities in terms of the pandemic and ensuring that people from diverse backgrounds get vaccinated. But a lot of that has been focused on raising awareness um, of the importance of vaccination and not the simple thing of making sure that people can actually go and receive it. Uh, Samantha, welcome to Sweden and Focus. Good to have you with us. Thank you. It's good to be here. You guys, as usual, had a poll up on your website. And this poll was about, uh, is it really hard to make friends with Swedes, right? Yes. And 80% of the results said yes. 80% said yes, it is hard to make friends with Swedes. Is It is hard to make friends with Swedes. Well, that's quite a lot. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things that when you first come to Sweden, it is a bit difficult to make friends with Swedes. But uh, as you get used to the place and you realize that uh, Swedes are a little bit more reserved than some of the other cultures, uh, you get you find a way around it. So yes, it is difficult. Is it impossible? No, you you can. You just need to find a way to like connect, and there there are many ways to connect with people. Let's 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 talk about those ways because I know you moved from South Africa ten years ago, right? Yes. What were some of the things that you you did to make friends here? Um, so I met people through work, um, but also via uh, meetup groups. So like uh, Galgan International, which is a group that I'm I'm a part of, and uh, lots of like activities. So you play sports or you join clubs, things like that. Uh, you just find a common uh, interest and very quickly you you end up making friends. Yeah, and it seems to be the same for many of your readers. I have the results of the poll here in front of me. And you guys at The Local asked, for example, how have people made friends in Sweden? And some of the answers here back up what you're saying, Samantha. Someone answers uh, that they make friends through parties, work, school and fitness. Somebody else says through different networks, work relationship, international communities, and the meetup app. Another reader says that they make friends by not listening to stereotypes, and someone else says that they make friends by stepping outside their bubble. So it sounds a lot like your readers agree with you here, Samantha. 
Yes. But I think when it comes to making friends with Swedes, uh, for me, it was uh, the end would be to be introduced by somebody else. Because uh, often uh, with Swedish friendships, it's quite closed and you need to be introduced into the group rather than, you know, jumping right in. I'm sitting here thinking about that percentage, 80%, which is so high. I'm wondering how much the pandemic has made that uh, number higher than maybe it would have been before the pandemic. Do you think that this number, maybe if we did it in a year's time, or maybe everyone is out hugging again, again, you know, that crazy idea of putting your arms around somebody. Do you think this number would be lower? Or maybe, or maybe the pandemic has kind of messed it up. So we, we will be <laughs> antisocial animals for a while now, because we're used to just speaking like we are right now through uh, digital boxes on the computer screen. I think the number will definitely be lower. Um, there's a lot of really, really lonely people out there because of this pandemic, but also even people that had already been established in in Sweden, uh, you know, have huge friendship groups. Uh, people distance themselves from each other and you, you lost contact with a lot of friends that you've already made. So if you are somebody new moving into Sweden and you don't have in a network of people, that's really difficult. But also, even if you did have a network of people, uh, I think a lot of us are a bit detached from the friends that we had because we were just trying to survive, you know, uh, this whole lockdown, uh, not lockdown, but social distancing. It made a massive difference to how people are going to be later on. So, like, I think everybody's going to be so eager to meet other people, um, so excited and more open to things. One thing that one thing that I've often heard as a tip for making friends with Swedes is um, to join an association of some kind, because Swedes like organized fun. Like there's less of a culture here than maybe in other countries of just going down to the pub and striking up a conversation with the stranger next to you. Actually, if you stri- <laughs> striking up a conversation with the stranger next to you is something that is. Um... <laughs> Almost make make make. Uh, I think to make make marks you out as a freak. So um, <laughs> best not to do unless you get a dog. That's that's another tip. I've I've just got a dog, and suddenly strangers want to talk to me. So um, if if you if you're really looking for a for a way to get talking to strangers in Sweden, then I highly recommend it. Well, there we are. Listen to this podcast and get a dog, and you're all good. I had the same thing about um, having kids when I moved here, which seem like a very drastic suggestion of how to make more friends. That is going to do it for us this week, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, why not subscribe if you haven't already? Leave a review and tell your friends, tell your family. Go walk your new dog and tell a sweet. I want to give a big thanks to Emma, James, Catherine and Samantha for joining me today and to our sponsor, Academikernas Arkasa. Sweden in Focus is a band of production in collaboration with The Local. Join me next Saturday for another episode of Sweden in Focus. Take care. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's all for this week's free edition of Sweden in Focus. If you'd like to hear a full-length version of the podcast each week, as well as an additional midweek episode with more interviews and analysis, please upgrade to Membership Plus. Make sure to check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade. Sweden in Focus is a podcast by The Local Europe. Our sound engineer is Rhys Edwards. The publisher is James Savage. <laughs>